When we come in church, when we all come in and gather in this building, we come out of the world, so to speak, out of the stress. Could you turn the reverb down, please? Out of the stress of the world, out of the uh, busyness, out of all the things that are going on. And we come in here to worship the Lord and to get fed by the Lord. Fellowship, as I've said a few times before, I look at it as coals of fire. Whereas if you've ever had a barbecue in your backyard, and I'm sure most of you have, you notice that if you put all the coals and they're burning fervently together, if you remove one of the coals, what happens? It dies out. But if the coals are next to each other, they're giving each other heat, they're supplying heat one for each other, they grow and they burn a long time. Fellowship is the same way. A lot of people say, well, I don't really need fellowship. I'll just listen to the radio. Baloney. You need interaction with other Christians. That's the whole purpose of corporate worship, of getting to people, people together under one roof. That's the purpose of kinships, to get people together so that we can give heat one to another, so that we can minister to each other. The significance of getting together in this building is not the building. The significance of getting together is what takes place, what happens during the time that we're together. Now, you know that the priority at Calvary Chapel is teaching of the Word of God, which a lot of churches, we believe, are very lacking in. But also, a priority here is worship. Worshiping God from our hearts and teaching people, just like you teach people through the Word about different people in the Bible, you teach people about grace, you teach you know, and so on and so forth, the doctrines, you also teach people about worship. And a lot of people are needing teaching in the area of worship. And that's our primary purpose tonight. Um, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Tonight we have come to present ourselves before the Lord, to present our bodies as sacrifices to the Lord. And when we gather in a building and we sing worship songs to the Lord, the purpose is giving ourselves to the Lord, presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. It's saying, God, here I am before your presence with your people. I lay myself out before you. I give you all that I am and all that I have. And so he says to present it to God. And he says, which is your reasonable service. In other words, it's the smart thing to do. It's the reasonable thing to do. You cannot live a Christian life successfully without worship. You, and I'll say it again, you cannot successfully live a Christian life without an outlet for worshiping God. I believe if your worship is dry, your life is dry. If your expression of love to Jesus Christ is dead, your life will take a dead sort of a tone. And we need to know how to present our bodies as living sacrifices before the Lord. You know, I wish we could get a film, a live film of some of the churches, some of the house churches in communist countries. 
They have encounters with the Lord that make the average worshipful church in the United States seem shoddy in comparison. They have such encounters with the Lord. Their commitment and their giving to God in worship is so beautiful and so strong. It's amazing. The kind and the quality. In talking to some people who have been there or who have lived there or have been persecuted, I just feel a little bit intimidated because their commitment, their fervency for the Lord is so strong. Nothing playing around. And it, it has to be in, in a sense because over there, if you're a Christian, you're putting your life on the line. If you're a Christian, you're putting your whole family on the line. Now, why do we worship? What's the purpose of getting together and singing songs? Well, it's not to just fill time for the latecomers. To sing a half an hour so that everybody can get seated. The purpose of worship is not to prepare people for the study of the Word. That's not the purpose of worship either. And a lot of people think that the purpose of worshiping is to prepare our hearts for the Word. No, it's not. Although worship has the effect of preparing your heart for the Word. Why? Because it's a time where your heart gets right with God. Where you come into God's presence and you're giving yourself as a living sacrifice to the Lord. The effect is that your heart gets prepared. But the purpose is not to prepare your heart for the Word. What is the purpose of worship? It is for God. It's just for Him. It's not for us. It's for Him. It's singing to Him. It's expression to Him and to Him alone. At Calvary Chapel, we stress the study of the Word and how I see so many Christians lacking in the study of the Word. That's why we have maintained going through the whole Bible because a lot of people haven't really gone verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the entire Bible, and it's very sad. But we can study and study and study and get into the Word and talk about sanctification, justification, salvation, all the major patriarchs in the Old Testament. And we can study and be filled with knowledge. But if that studying does not lead you to worship God, it is in vain. It is empty learning. It's head knowledge. Oh, we can have a beautiful study on the attributes of God, the mercy, the sovereignty, the omnipotence of God. And we can say, wow, wasn't that a great study on the attributes of God? God is so merciful. God is so kind. God is so powerful. That should lead us to worshiping God because He is mighty, because He is powerful, because He does work in our life. That's the effect that the Word should always have in our lives, leading us back to worship. You see, worship in the Word, a lot of people think is an end in itself. Well, I study the Word. That's the purpose, to study the Word. I pray because... That's the purpose of a Christian. No, it's not. Prayer and reading of the Word are only vehicles, a means to an end, a vehicle to bring you into communion with the Lord. The Scripture is a vehicle by which God speaks to you. Prayer is a vehicle by which you communicate with the Lord, and you have to have both of them. But they're not an end in themselves. Do you see the difference? The purpose is to communicate with God, to worship the Lord. And so we should present our bodies as sacrifice. Now turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. The reason that we didn't tell you what we were doing tonight, incidentally, is because if we said, well, we're just going to get together and worship tonight, 
I can just hear, and I've heard some people say, oh, well, they're just going to sing. It's no Bible study. I don't need to show up tonight. In reality, this is one of the most important teachings I think we'll ever hear here at Calvary Chapel, and one of the most important things that we're going to do. In Revelation chapter 4, it says, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him that is seated on the throne, and they worship him that lives forever and ever. Before I go on, let me tell you what the word worship means. The word worship means to ascribe worth to something. If you were to go into a store and say, this is worth $10, although it's hard to say that about a lot of things nowadays, but it's to ascribe a worth to something. Worship is ascribing worth to the Lord. We worship God. We say, God, you're worthy to accept praise. You're beautiful. That's why we sing songs. Oh, Lord, you're a shield about me. You're ascribing worth unto the Lord. That's why if we don't sing from our hearts and think about those words, if they're not really from the depths of our hearts, we don't ascribe a whole lot of worth unto the Lord. And then it says this in verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and notice this phrase, for thy pleasure they are and were created. The whole purpose you were created is to bring pleasure to God. Now, you might not be comfortable with that, especially if you're not a Christian. You mean I was created for His pleasure? You betcha. We were created for God's pleasure. We weren't created for work. We weren't created to pay IRS income tax, although we have to do it, although we have to work. We have to put bread on the table. Those are things we have to do, but we weren't created for that. And so many people's lives revolve around those things. Work, paying money, getting bread on the table, and their lives surround that. We were created to bring glory and honor and pleasure to the Lord. And that's important that we see that. Tonight, and every time we get together to lead worship, and we have a group up here leading worship, you, the congregation, are not the audience. We're not singing for you. The Lord is the audience. We have one member in our audience. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one unity. We're singing to Him. And tonight I mentioned this is choir practice. That's exactly what it is. People say, how come you don't have a choir at Calvary Chapel? I say, we do. It's got about 800 people in it on Sunday morning. <laughs> you are the choir. It's hard for me just to sit and hear people sing songs that I can't join in. I want to join in and learn the songs and be able to sing. And so the Lord is our congregation. We're singing to Him. And as I shared Thursday night, what is worship? Worship is serenading Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. Worship is serenading our bridegroom, singing love songs to Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people say, well, I am all for worship, but I don't like to go too far. I don't like to do too much. I mean, there's these fanatics. They raise their hands and everything. They start talking out loud to the Lord. My goodness. It's a little too much, isn't it? Well, let me ask you a question. Can you really express your love too much to the Lord? Oh, no way. You can't express your love too much to the Lord. Singing unto Him, eyes closed, hands raised. And incidentally, I want you to notice a scripture on these little handouts that we've given you because we're going to learn these songs in just a minute. 
And I just thought I'd cover this area so I can go on and then we can get into what we're going to do. <clears throat> it says at the bottom of your sheet, it says the scripture, thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. He talked about praising the Lord with joyful lips and raised hands. And I think it's important because I've had a few people ask one time, where do you, what's this? I notice people lifting their hands. What is, where does that come from? Is this a old uh, Pentecostal or charismatic kind of a thing? I said, well, it came from King David. Paul said, lifting up holy hands unto the Lord. Now let me say this. You don't have to lift your hands to worship the Lord. You don't have to. It's a lot of fun, I think. It's a sense of release to the Lord. As you raise your hands to Him, you're releasing to the Lord. But when you worship, you're worshiping together, but don't worry about what anybody else thinks next to you, whether he, maybe he's not a Christian, you brought him, who cares? You're singing to the Lord. He's your audience. And if the Lord moves you to lift your hands up, go ahead and do it. You don't have to, but it's kind of dumb to sing, I lift my hands up with your hands, not lift it up. It feels kind of weird to me. I see people singing these songs, but I lift my hands up, their hands are down. I'm going, no, don't sing that. Your hands aren't lifted. <laughs> I lift my shoulders up. <laughs> and now I want you to turn to Psalm 84. The book of Psalm 84. Now again, from my heart, this is, this is a vision that God has given me. I'm not talking about a little dream He's given me one night. But this is the way I, I have a burden in my heart to see this church to be a worshipful church. And as I said Thursday, there's two kinds of meetings. There's the inhabited meetings where God says He inhabits the praises of His people. And there's the uninhabited meetings. And I've been to lots of uninhabited meetings. Let me tell you something. The inhabited ones are a lot more fun. It's fun to worship the Lord. It's not a drudgery. It's great. And that's why we have done studies through Genesis and tonight we're going to stop and we're giving this completely to the Lord. God has given us so much through the Word. He has taught us so much by His Holy Spirit. It's time for us just to give back to Him what He's done for us. In Psalm 84 it says this, and I believe this is true worship. How amiable are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Notice his language here. Verse 2. My soul longeth. Yes, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. God, what a fanatic. This guy. <laughs> yes, the sparrow has found a house. The swallow a nest for himself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they who dwell in your house. And they will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose hearts are in the way of them, who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. The rain also fills the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before God. Notice verse 9. Behold our God, our shield, and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts, spending time in God's presence, a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. 
The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. In another place, David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might, I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Just to spend time in God's presence. And as David said so many times, how he was seeking God, how he would praise God with joyful lips and raised hands. Now, I'll be honest with you. The first time I went to a, uh, a meeting, in fact, it was Chuck Smith's church, and I saw this group play. It was in a tent back then, and there was this bald-headed guy up there named Chuck. The first time I saw people raise their hands, I thought they were loony. They were weird. I couldn't do that. I said, man, this is a weird place. I can't hang out here anymore. These people aren't straight. They do weird things. They lift their hands up and they start talking to God like he's a real person. And I couldn't get that. I'm serious. It was hard for me because I had come from a background of death spiritually. I mean, I came from a religious system that was just dead. Worship the Lord was just drudgery, funeral drudges, the kind of music. I didn't, I couldn't just release myself and worship the Lord. And it saddens me to see people coming from those uh, kind of backgrounds that are just rigid in their worship. Just kind of looking around and see what everybody else is doing. It's sort of sad for me to see them unable and inhibited to release themselves unto God and to express as a bride to her bridegroom the love that she would have for Jesus Christ. But it talks about longing for the courts of the Lord. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church all over the world about worship, saying it's time to worship the Lord. I've been in a lot of different churches and I've got to travel around a little bit and seen a lot of different fellowships. And the one thing I see God speaking to the people is it's time to really worship the Lord the way God wants us to. But really worship God, the main thing is from our hearts. Maybe it's that God is preparing us for the coming of Jesus Christ very soon. Maybe He's getting us ready to spend eternity with Him. Because let me tell you something. If you don't like to worship, you're going to find heaven a big bore. Because that's what you're going to be doing for eternity. Bowing down and worshiping the Lord. You read the book of Revelation. Man, these guys were fanatics. Bowing down, worshiping, telling the Lord how beautiful, how good He was. It's a blessing. And one last scripture is in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is the story of the woman at the well. And in verse 20, this is what she says. Our father worshipped in this mountain. And you say in Jerusalem is the place that men ought to worship. What was she concerned with? The right place, the locale. Well, is this church the right church or is that church the right church? Should I worship here or should I worship there? Notice the answer of Jesus Christ. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. And I want that phrase to catch home, that last part. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. Tonight God is seeking people who will worship Him. What is God looking for in people? People who will worship Him. We were created for God's pleasure to bring glory and honor to Him. And the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Now when we sing songs, there's different kind of songs to sing. Since you're the choir, I'll explain that to you. 
There's songs that we sing of jubilation, about how good God is and we clap our hands. Then there's songs of searching and forgiveness, like search me, O God, and know my heart, where you directly sing unto the Lord. There's dynamic praise, I call it, where you're singing from your heart right to the Lord, like thou, O Lord, art a shield about me. You're the lifter of my head. You're singing right to the Lord as if you're before the throne of God. Keep this in mind when you worship. Worship the Lord as if you were in the direct presence of God. As if God were to come here and sit on a throne tonight and you were to be in God's direct presence, you were standing before Him, your worship will take on a whole new atmosphere then. I think that's a neat thing. The main thing to do is to relax, not tension. Worship isn't something pumped up. We don't have to say, now come on, everybody. We don't have to pump you up. Raise your hands. We don't have to do that. God is capable enough to speak to people's hearts. And we don't have to condemn you or say, you're not doing it right. Or pump you up. True worship is redounding from the heart. When you, you know what true worship really is? When you realize God's grace, you'll worship God. When you worship, when you realize that really I'm unworthy, but the fact that God loves me and blesses me anyway, boy, that's, that's enough cause to worship the Lord. You just go, oh God, you're so good. That's true worship. When it redounds, not something pumped up, and, yes, you know, and on and on and, that's fake. And, and there's a lot of people that do that. That's not worship. That's chatty Kathy. You just wind it up and they go. And we have to watch ourselves from that. Main thing is this. Don't be inhibited before the Lord. Be yourself before the Lord. Don't be inhibited before the throne of God. Relax. Be yourself. Tell the Lord, Lord, I love you tonight. And we've given this time to 